This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is P.J. Haney III, Board Chairman of the National Black Growers Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Growing Matters. Growing Matters is an industry coalition sharing science-based information about the crucial role neonicotinoids play in how food is produced. Learn more at neonicfacts.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with the National Black Growers Council Board Chairman P.J. Haney, next. Neonicotinoids, or neonics, are a class of pesticides that are vital to agriculture and are cornerstones of modern integrated pest management. For more than 25 years, neonics have played an important role in sustaining communities and help ensure farmers are able to grow the food, fuel, and fiber we need. Not using neonics would undermine the very practices that keep destructive pests in check and would negatively impact farmers, families, communities, and the environment. That is why Growing Matters, a coalition led by BASF Agricultural Solutions, Bayer, Mitsui Chemicals, Agro Inc., Syngenta, and Valent USA LLC, has launched neonicfacts.org to share science-based information about the crucial role neonics play and how food is produced. To find out more about the important role neonics play in North American agriculture, share the facts and learn the sources such as the EPA and Ag Informatics, visit neonicfacts.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Farming is challenging and seemingly even more so for black farmers in America. This week's guest is P.J. Haney, a fifth-generation black farmer with land in both Virginia and Arkansas. The Haney farm began with P.J.'s great-great-grandfather, the Reverend Robert Haney, who was a slave-turned-landowner who started their family farm. Haney recalls the humble beginning of the National Black Growers Council over a decade ago. Jeff, it was about 2000. I received a call from a gentleman that asked me to come to a meeting where I would be joined with other black row crop farmers on a black grower advisory council. And I, and I laughed because at that time, Jeff, if you had asked me to name you other black farmers that farmed over 500 or 1,000 acres of, of row crop production, I couldn't have done it. I'm a high school FFA tractor driving competitor from Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, Agricultural and Applied Economics degree major. And while four years in college, I participated in an organization called MANRS, M-A-N-R-R-S. And that stands for Minorities in Agriculture, Natural Resources, and Related Sciences. With all that high school agriculture and college agriculture connections, I never met another young black male or female that was returning to their family business. So here, fast forward to 2010, I couldn't have told you any other black farmers around the country. So I really look forward to attending that meeting. I I walked into a boardroom and there were 11 other black farmers from around the country that I had never seen before nor heard their name. And as we started to make introductions to go around the room, I hear Tennessee, 12,000 acres, and Alabama, 6,000 acres, and Texas, 8,000 acres. And that list, I I was completely floored because I did not know these growers existed. So after that meeting, the other 11 farmers and I 
we learned some things there at Monsanto headquarters that we, we, we found were a little disturbing. We learned that there were programs and opportunities that were coming out that our neighbors knew about, but we did not know about. Programs for rebates and, and 0% seed financing. A lot of the men and women in that meeting were not aware of some of these corporate programs that were eligible to them. So after that meeting, we say, guys, if we just learned this today here at one ag corporation, what is it still out there that we don't know about others? So we decided to be an independent group of Monsanto and form an organization called the National Black Growers Council with a mission of improving the efficiency, productivity, and sustainability of black row crop farmers. And that organization was founded in 2010 and hence has, has really grown and, and really been a, a signature organization as we advance equity and equality in row crop production. So when I, when I look at your mission statement, efficiency, productivity, sustainability, I would think that's a mission that would fit with a lot of other organizations, agriculture organizations. The only difference is the, the, the word black. Exactly. Jeff, you know, when we look at the, the demographics of the farm community, we know that today the world's population is 2% farmers. You know, you get 100 people in a room, you line them up, two of them are farmers. You get 100 farmers in a room, Jeff, and only one of those farmers is going to be black. Then if you, you're fortunate enough to find 100 black farmers in a room, only about eight of those men or women are going to be full-time row crop producers. So, so we are a small fraternity amongst a small group of men and women, and that's why we want to focus on the issues that address row crop producers. Corn, cotton, soybeans, peanuts, rice, wheat, the commodities that we grow. That is an area where there, there are very few men and women that still exist. And I'm sure your average listener, if they think about it and they look at their communities that they live in, they probably can't name you another black farmer or landowner over 500 or 1,000 acres that exists within their area. So, so that's why we really have to make sure we help ensure that the, the remaining men and women that are in row crop production, the remaining black farmers, have access to all the information and technology that their neighbors do in the same timely manner. So it sounds like a redundant question, but but one to just be clear, how much of your work is about educating members and then networking a, among members? That's the real engine under the hood of the National Black Growers Council. So, Jeff, we, we really have a, a, a signature event called our Model Farm Series Field Day, in which we host about four to six field days around the country, in, in, in areas where we have higher concentrations of black farmers and landowners. And we bring the community out to showcase the latest and greatest that agriculture has to offer, whether it's new seed varieties that have more disease-resistant technologies, more de- drought-defensive technologies, higher-yielding capabilities, whether it's new advances in chemistry, new herbicides with more residual efforts that really help give you more weed control. Or, or fungicides that are really advanced and have different modes of action. Even to the equipment, you know, we're fortunate to have sustaining members, you know, John Deere and Bayer and Syngenta, Corteva, so many others. I, I can't name them all, but they recognize the need for this diversity, so they support us and in, in, in helping promote these events. 
And, and when we bring men and women, and especially the youth, the kids, out to these farms, and they're actually able to see it, to touch it, to learn about it, it's a premier educational opportunity for the underserved farm community. And, and that's where we really shine. President Biden, when he came to office, one of the goals that he offered for the Department of Agriculture uh, was to be more diversified, uh, to represent all of agriculture. Uh, it is said that there has been a challenged relationship between the black farmer and USDA. PJ, how is that relationship now? You know, that, that relationship is, is moving along well. And uh, there are a lot of input we're able to give the administration now, address some of the disparities that we see out here on the turn rows and, and the fields side by side. You know, we, we, we really talked and drilled down in the disparities in the, you know, uh, uh, base acre payments. You know, when you look at farmers who were allowed the uh, or had the ability to put in irrigation and, and grow rice and cotton, you know, back in the 80s, and, and, and some of the underserved community did not have that privilege. So you're looking at fields side by side, and you see a five-time uh, increase, uh, a base acre payment on the on the right side of the road where the white farmer operates, and 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 five times less on the left side of the road where the black farmer owns and operates. So we're really trying to close some of these gaps. You know, the, the access to, to to capital and funding has always been an issue there at USCA, and that still is something that we're trying to address. But we're fortunate that Secretary Vilsack has put on the equity lens, as he's called it, and really trying to address some of the, the gaps that exist. You know, I, I think it's important that we continue to have these open, uh, honest conversations. And I'm, and I'm very fortunate to have had several of those conversations with, with Secretary Vilsack and the administration. And I, and I look forward to really making a change in agriculture. USDA now has an advisory group, uh, an advisory committee made up of minority farmers. Is your coalition working with that group, and can you identify some of the goals and objectives that you're already seeing as a part of that? Yes, we are. A lot of things have really kicked off. We had a lot of virtual meetings last year. Dr. Hazel Reed, who serves as the executive director for the National Black Growers Council, he's been in communication and, and on a lot of calls. You know, I've been trying to participate in calls from the camp of the combine last fall and, <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, but we are really having, we have access and we have open ears in Washington that are listening now. And as we see issues that arise, I feel very fortunate to be able to pick up the phone and, and reach out to the secretary's office. And, and let him know what we're seeing and what's going on and some of these challenges. You know, obviously we're all saddened by the, the lawsuits that have been filed and how people really aren't really recognizing the disparities that exist. You know, just some, some, some numbers, Jeff, and you may not know, but in 1920 there were a million black farmers in the country. There was a four-to-one ratio. There were, there were four white farmers for every one black farmer. You fast forward to 1996, there are less than 15,000 black farmers around the country compared to a million white farmers. That's over a 100 to 1 ratio. And, and you know, there are a lot of factors that really have hit, helped to really reduce that number. But we're really trying to just look at ways and positive solutions to help reverse the downward trend of African-American farmers and landowners in the country. And so we look forward to working with the, the administration to do that. I'd like to offer this opportunity for you. In other interviews, you've mentioned that black growers really need to know who they can trust. Would you like to expand on that? 
I'd be, I'd be glad to expand on that. Jeff, you know, having a trusted source is very critical for you as a farmer. You know, when, when your, when your salesman comes up to give you a price of fertilizer, a price on chemical, price on equipment, you know, you need to make sure that's a trusted source and that information is very favorable to your neighbors. However, we haven't really seen any issues in the past where we've known those numbers have not been trusted numbers and there hasn't been any accountability. So we're asking that, you know, that, that, that agriculture in general would help also put on an equity lens and has, help address some of these disparities and be more transparent in what we're seeing and, 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 the, and, and what farmers are receiving. Having a network of another farmer that looks like you and understands the challenges that you have is critically important. You know, when I met this group of men and women that make up the National Black Growers Council, it really opened a whole new chapter in the book of life for P.J. Haney, Jeff. And, and I find that every other men and women that really join the organization that meet the other men and women are, are just excited to have a resource, someone to call and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. You know, your neighbors at home are your competitors, so that's not a really conversation you can have at the local coffee shop. But if you need advice from a thousand miles away that someone can give you an opinion that you may not have thought of, that, that's kind of very important and, and very valuable, Jeff. So when I think about your council and then I think also about this advisory committee at USDA, when you, when you talk about the work of, uh, again, both groups, is this more about learning how to work with the USDA or more about communicating what are probable changes that the USDA could make to work better with you? I think it's a, a little bit of both because we have to let USDA know what the challenges exist. You know, we, we, we've learned and from the past and, and the ways that we, things have done in the past have not really solved the problem. You know, we talk about accountability. You know, people who treated customers wrong and, and, and things of that sort and then giving misinformation at these USDA offices, they have not been held accountable. That, that's something that we're addressing to make sure that that is an accountability issue because slapping someone on the wrist is, is, is really not just solving the problem for, for blatant discrimination for, for customers at USDA. So, so that's one. But when we are able to sit down and not argue but have a, 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 a very intelligent conversation on how this needs to be fixed, how this can go forward, and especially when we start looking at the disparities that exist in, at, at, at the field level, we're able to make great strides and, 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 and advance the agenda forward, Jeff. So let's look ahead. What are the things that black farmers like yourselves and members of your coalition, what do you need from Washington? Well, one, we need to address the issues that have really changed the landscape for black farmers and landowners in the past. You know, when you look at the past and how the numbers have declined, we know some of the reason for that. So now let's look out the windshield. You know, it's bigger than the rearview mirror. So look at how, what do we need to do to help reverse this downward trend of African-American farmers and landowners? So one, we know that land is an important and critical aspect. And, and access to land is even more critical. So we're talking about looking at federally controlled lands, creating some ways for socially disadvantaged, historically underserved men and women to get started on land that may be some federally controlled land. We, we have to set up some programs and, and, and adjust the playing field 
so so men and women in the underserved community can catch up to where our neighbors are. You you can't expect a young kid to to come out of college or, or want to be a farmer and he not have the three generations that his white neighbor has uh, uh, beside him with the with the with the push in the back to help him get started. Okay, so his balance sheet and and cash flow and financial statement is not going to look like his his thirty year old white neighbor who has inherited what granddad and dad have left him to get him started in farming. So we have to really just be honest and say, okay, what do we need to do to help address this gap and, and bring things forward? So those are a couple. You know, we, we, we've talked to the administration about even some transition incentive programs. We call it a TIP program, whereas you have a retiring, you know, farmer who looks to really get out could help a, man, a young man or woman in the underserved community get involved in farming and help relieve them for some of the tax incentives, the tax uh, burdens that they'll be looking at. Jeff, these are ways where we can have conversations to create realistic solutions for, for everyone here. Okay? Okay. So if I look at the boards of directors of some of the major commodity groups, of the commodities that, that you and other black farmers raise, I don't see many, if any, black farmers on those boards. Is that a concern? And and have you been able to to have conversations with these groups about some of the challenges that you face? We are starting to have conversations. But to answer your question directly, yes, it is a concern. And not just the commodity organizations, Jeff. Look at the corporations in ag. Look at all of your big ag corporations. How much diversity you see represented on their board of directors. So it has to start at the top, okay? And when it starts at the top and it's a, and it's a concern, you know, everyone can really, can, can, it can come down. A, a lot of organizations are bringing in, you know, the DEI uh, uh, representatives, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But if these men and women are handcuffed and they don't have the ability to do what's needed to more, to, to, to increase inclusivity in that organization, they're just kind of holding the gate, and it's just checking the box. And we've really seen a lot of that checking the box has really not really got us anywhere. We need to really make sure we address some issues that move us forward. And, and that's the whole purpose here. We need to have young men and women interested in agriculture, understand the opportunity, and we need to create pathways for them to get into it. So see if I'm correct in this statement. Farming is tough. But it may even be tougher for the black farmer who wants to be more involved. Absolutely. That's 100% correct. Because the, the, the black farmer does not have some of the same fringe benefits as the white farmer would have in the community to get them started in agriculture. Okay? You know, I, you, you walk into a equipment dealership, you walk into a chemical or seed dealership, and you look around, you do not see any diversity in the makeup of those organizations at the local retail level, okay? And and, and just to be comfortable and have areas of, of, of comfort, that needs to be something we need to change because that is the door for men and women who are involved in row crop production agriculture. That is the, the, the liaison or the conduit between farmers and local levels and, and, and the big ag corporations that exist. Those are the retailers. PJ, I am looking ahead, and others are looking ahead to a new farm bill. 2018 farm bill uh, was said to be as good as we could get for the money that we have. 
And for 2023, it doesn't look to be any less challenging from a financial perspective. If we're talking about new policy, what advice have you given to the secretary? What advice would you share with other legislators about the opportunity of 23 to create uh, some better opportunities for black farmers? We have to look and, and learn from the past. But we have to appropriate funds to make sure that they're set aside for minorities in the underserved community. You know, we look at the the, the, the subsidy programs. We have EQIP and CSP and so many others. And, and from every time I talk to a, a black farmer that went in or looking for some of those programs, oftentimes they didn't have enough funding in them or the funding had ran out. I think we just need to start with a conversation of learning from what didn't work well and with the last and what do we need to change to, to make this one better for the underserved community going forward? So, PJ, as we are now into 2022, I would just uh, simply ask uh, from the National Black Growers Council, what are your goals? Well, Jeff, last year we had great success with some of our field days, our engagement, increasing our number of corporate uh, sustaining members, you know, corporations that get behind us and say, hey, PJ, uh, hey, Dr. Reed, we want to really support the National Black Growers Council. We have these programs in our organization we want to offer to your membership. You know, we, we're starting to have ears to listen to the conversation. So we want to continue to do that. In, in 2022, we want to increase our field day schedule. We want to increase our advertisement so we have a larger crowd listening in and, and looking at. And we really want to help knock on the door for, for, for black farmers and create opportunities for them to sell their grain for high value, to have market their share here to, to companies that are looking for minority suppliers and participants. We, we, we really want to be able to connect the dots between the handful of black men and women that are out here beating the bushes on the turn rows, helping producing the food and the fiber, the fuel that we need to those corporations that are looking to identify them. Well, P.J. Haney, we want to thank you very much for taking time out of a busy schedule, farming in two different areas and dealing with an ice storm to spend with us on this edition of Open Mic. P.J., it is Open Mic, and, sir, you've got the last word today. Jeff, I thank you and, and everyone in, in agriculture, I think AgriPulse and so many others, for really helping to bring this conversation to the forefront. I mean, agriculture is something we all need. There is no culture with, without agriculture, regardless of where you go, regardless of your race, religion, political affiliation. You and I both need to, to take nourishment three times a day. And, and, and we need to understand that and reflect the diversity that exists in production agriculture and make sure that it sustains. We need to make sure that going forward 10 and 15 years from now, you know, we don't have an extinct a species of black farmers and landowners. You know, I, I Googled it the other day, Jeff. There are more bald eagles in the lower 48 states than there are black farmers and landowners. We need to really change that. And I'll say that again. There are more bald eagles in the lower 48 states than there are black row crop farmers. Black row crop farmers. And we really need to make sure we're not at the verge of extinction. So if all of agriculture will help recognize and put on the equity lens, as Secretary Vilsack says, to help address the disparities, it would really be for the greater good, and we all could 
thrive and work in a more sustainable working place. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Our thanks to P.J. Haney, board chairman of the National Black Rowers Council, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Growing Matters. Growing Matters is an industry coalition sharing science-based information about the crucial role neonicotinoids play in how food is produced. Learn more at neonicfacts.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.